Welcome to the Mike and Doug show. This is Doug. Hi, Mike. Hello there. Well, I'm amazed. My breath was taken away by the report that you just sent in from the researchers who I want to know, do you ever let them out of the mines because you just keep going deeper and deeper? And I'm wondering if you're going to hit China soon or have you hit, have you hit magma? Because you're so deep into the corruption of the British empire that I feel like I should take my degree in history and just throw it away because I didn't know any of this. It's just absolutely shocking. And, and the recent revelations concerning coronavirus Purbright. Everybody wants to stop at Purbright. You took it further to a company called Muriel, and then you took it even further, and then you even showed how a company called Kinetic seems to be almost as big as Serco for taking over handling the data of America, whether it's sensitive military data, corporate data, doesn't matter. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? It is unbelievable, and I, I can't even believe it. I just finished reading the full report that the um, uh, the team uh, put up for the cat report. Um, and I, I can't believe that you've gone further than ever before. And not only that, you've basically found the source of what we could call white supremacist, um, fascist uh, hegemony planned by the Brits. I mean, it is absolutely shocking not to have known this and think that I knew history. So, Thank well, you for doing it. We've heard of pieces and parts of this, but uh, it, it's really interesting how the coronavirus inquiry led to all this. It led us back to the what we now know as the usual suspects. And you included that in it too. And and the revelation about the uh, Muriel uh, Animal uh, Testing Company, which is only four hour drive or so from Wuhan. It is an indicator to me that this was very clearly, it's a perbright patent that has been manipulated, turned into a retrovirus, and released, not by the Chinese, but in my opinion, and it's sheer speculation, I went way, way out, because you weren't on the other side of this microphone when we did a recent talk, Betsy and I, and I basically stuck my neck out and said, I think that people from Kinetic took the retrovirus from Muriel and released it in China as a British attack on the economy of China. Well, what else are you supposed to think, Douglas? I mean, you've got the company that uh, caused the uh, hoof and, hoof, foot and mouth outbreak in 2007 in August in England and, and poisoned all of the land south of Purbright uh, where this uh, facility is. Uh, and and then within months, literally within uh, two months, they start manufacturing another facility, a duplicate facility, four hours from Wuhan. This was back in 2007. Uh, what else are you supposed to think? This can't be coincidence. No, it can't. And the fact that you've also pointed out that it's really the Pilgrim Society. And when people hear that, they might think that it's a conspiracy, but it's not a conspiracy the Pilgrim Society is a proper British uh, imperialistic approach to corporate fascism that has been going on since before Cecil Rhodes. We had said Cecil Rhodes had a 200-year plan. A hundred of those years have already been uh, accomplished and quite successfully. But what we didn't know is he had a teacher. Yeah. Can you tell us about the teacher of Cecil Rhodes? Yes, it's Henry de Worms, first Lord Purbright who 
appears to have donated all the land around this facility to uh, cattle testing uh, in alliance with his friend, Henry Welcome. And they have been doing cattle testing ever since the formation of the Pilgrim Society. And we learned something this time that we didn't know. We always knew that it was 1902 when these uh, oligarchs, basically these British royals, not royals, peers, um, well, probably the royals too, formed the Pilgrim Society. And uh, we wondered why 1902. And we discovered in some documents that the reason it was 1902 in the early part of 1902 was because people from all over the empire were in London for the funeral of Queen Victoria. So while they're burying the queen, they're organizing the events that we are still suffering from today. And then the new king, Edward, got together some of the most corrupt criminal minds who we sat around recently thinking, how could these people sit and plan the uh, depopulation, the eugenics, the annihilation of other people, the vaccination that will then kill people? How can they sit around and, and kill 60,000 people and make sure it doesn't even get into the history books, make sure it doesn't right. get in any of the newspapers, and basically continue that to this very day? The coronavirus is just the tip of the iceberg. This goes back to the very beginning when they could start weaponizing anything biological. And Yes. We've, been, we've pushed this date back now to 140 years ago. We always thought it was Cecil Rhodes in, in the Pilgrim Society, but now we can see who conceived of this whole grand scheme. And it was Cecil Rhodes's mentor, Baron Henry de Worms, first Lord Purbright. And uh, the, this land that uh, the Purbright Institute is on is, um, has been in the hands of the Ministry of Defense since the late 1800s so uh, this this strategy goes back a long way and and and, and really it was it was really uh, wrapped up in the british trying to figure out at the end of victoria's reign what they were going to do going forward since many of their colonies were were yelling for home rule and so what they conceived of through the privy council was a mechanism whereby they could give home rule on the surface as propaganda while they continued to control the resources of their colonies. That was their obje objective. And it was also to line their own pockets as well as carry forward the, 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 uh, the great theme of the day, which was eugenics. And eugenics meaning depopulation, the purpose for that was to rid the world of non-whites at the time, and later it was English speakers, uh, and to preserve the resources of the British Empire for the monarch. And that has been their objective ever since. And so what they did, in addition, they teamed up with the robber barons, not only in London, but also in New York, to make sure that they would ensure the continuity of these companies uh, we're talking Rockefeller, Carnegie, um, uh, DeWorms, uh, Rhodes, Milner, uh, you, you name it. 
and they wanted to ensure for their posterity continuous flow of resources to enrich themselves and their friends and their family. And that's the, what they've done. And so what we have now and what we call the deep state or the shadow government is this pilgrim society to this present day. They haven't stopped doing any of these things that they started in the late 1800s. Yes, and uh, this whole concept that the pilgrims or the settlers were sent out, the, these were the people who were the rejects, okay? They were the rejects of the British and the Dutch, and they sent them to places so that they could find out if Europeans could survive there, could survive the viruses that already exist there, and so that they could bring European viruses to those foreign lands to basically kill the populations that were already there. Now, we know that this is true. And if we talk about Henry de Worms, okay, he's you know kind of the teacher of Cecil Rhodes, but Henry's father, Solomon de Worms, was given a baronship in Germany because he was working in for the- In Austria. It, yeah, through the Austrians, through the Habsburgs. Mm -hmm. And he was given this um, baronship uh, basically because he was a court Jew. And he was Jewish, of course, but then he went and made his fortune in Ceylon, in Sri Lanka, uh, Ceylon. And at the, the time, uh, before the British took it over, it, they had slaves. Once the British got it, they were made into indentured servants. And so they were probably experimenting then upon uh, the native population of Ceylon, all kinds of things that then they later turned into and then they became the Salon Tea Company. So Solomon de Worms, the father of Henry de Worms, is basically the person who created the monopoly of tea in the British Empire, the entire British Empire. And then we can see that they then went and with I the same... I need to point out, Douglas, I need to point out that Solomon de Worms, his mother was a Rothschild. Exactly. And it was the Rothschild plantation on Sri Lanka. And so what we can see then is, and this is the part that completely amazed me, when you pulled out the, well, I had known that the British East India Company had secret corporate members who were members of the parliament. This is well known. And so there was a kind of a transition from the British East India Company, which at one point was as strong as the British um, uh, military and Navy, and actually was probably bringing in more money than the entire uh, country of England. And they so, had their own army. Had their own army, and they were taking over countries all over the world. And so when that was mold, uh, uh, when it was turned into um, basically a monopoly of the government of Britain, I did not know that pretty much uh, immediately thereafter, if not concurrent, there was the British south africa company again rothschild financing and some of the same old corrupt people and you actually found the members of that group because it's very uh it's kind of hidden it's like the french east india company which you brought up the other day and you've included in your article this time with your all your staff writers and, and that the the rothschilds were there not only in Ceylon, not only in south africa not only in the transvaal but they've been there to basically support British imperialism, corporate imperialism, which is a, certainly a form of fascism when they incorporate vaccinations that kill people and bring diseases to Africa that weren't even there until they were brought by 
you know, uh, the Welcome Trust Company, or the, at that point, the Burroughs Welcome Drug Company. And the beauty of it is that from the beginning, it seems as if Henry de Worms understood the power of propaganda and news agencies. And remember, uh, those of you who don't know this, that uh, Henry de Worms, Solomon de Worms, as well as the Rothschild family, were the secret financiers behind Reuters, which is now Reuters Thompson. So basically, the newspaper, the major news agency in Britain was nothing more than a propaganda tool of the Rothschilds who used it to manipulate stock markets. And Henry de Worms, his father Solomon, and the Rothschilds were the number one manipulators of the British and stock market. We need to add uh, the Daily Telegraph because uh, uh, de Worms was very close to Lord Burnham, who was uh, Edward Levy Lawson, who was the founder of uh, the Daily Telegraph. And uh, we have records of them partying with each other and uh, sharing information back and forth. So the Daily Telegraph was a part of this plan from the beginning. It is so clear that you have pointed out with the Empire Press Foundation that what we have is the most comprehensive propaganda machine ever created in human history. It makes Heinrich Himmler and the Nazis look uh, like Girl Scouts. It makes... Right. It makes the Russians, it, it, it makes Stalin it uh, look like they're nothing. Because remember, they created Stalin. They created Trotsky. They created Marx. They created Engels. They created the image of Germany as being this imperialistic power that they had to conquer when, in fact, they were working directly with them. And what's really amazing is you found, and this I don't understand at all, this new company, which has basically inherited some of the Perbright patents, and you also pointed out, which I didn't know, there's 75 patents that have the word coronavirus in it. I thought there were only like, you know, 25 or so. And so we know that Perbright owns, what, 13, 17 of them, something like that. But Muriel, Muriel is a conglomeration of America, Merck, of British uh, Welcome Trust, of Bill and Linda Gates foundation which are some of the largest donors uh to produce uh these killer vaccinations and inoculations being used in africa and throughout the whole world so basically and and uh, uh, what's it called uh sanofi pardon me burring burringer ingleham is the german company involved with them and mm -hmm. then you were mentioning sanofi uh astra so i think company. that that could only mean one thing if these people who are supposed to be competitors in the corporate world are all sharing the same information about these manipulated viruses, and in some cases this one, a retrovirus, that they wouldn't be sharing it between different countries, and especially people that they had targeted as their enemies before. So I can't help but think that this is simply a British plan to pass out to the whole rest of the world what it is that they say they have created. And I want to highlight this. I want to highlight the fact that the top experts say it takes seven to eight years to create a vaccine for a virus. This virus is new. It only started this year. So coronavirus 19 uh, is brand new. It should take years. Oh, but the Israelis say they are going to have a vaccine in three weeks. Hmm. This is all over the news now. And 
we got to hear the insane CDC because we predicted that they already have the vaccination and that it will simply be sold to us at the tune of hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, so that everybody gets the shot in the false flag panic for a pandemic. The CDC literally went on with President Trump and said the stupidest things. Anyone would know that this isn't true, that they simply are going to make a vaccine by simply taking it, diluting it, doing a 45-day study on animals, doing a few-week study on humans, and then giving it out to the world. That is impossible. The only way that could possibly be true is if they already had the vaccine ready to go. And when we see the Democrats, the demon rats, say, oh, no, $2.5 billion isn't good enough. We want eight. That's because all $8 billion is going to the CDC, and the CDC is not a government agency. It is a corporate agency. They have 56 poisonous vaccine patents and many other patents, and they make billions and billions of dollars off of this every year, and they're completely immune. There's a court that protects them, the CDC court, especially for vaccinations. So what we're seeing is exactly what we predicted. Perbright slash Muriel slash all the other companies you just mentioned already knew that this vaccine, that this uh, coronavirus was coming, 19, and they already have the vaccine. Otherwise, Israel cannot tell us that they just happen to be working on a panacea for all coronaviruses that just happens to work on coronavirus 19. I don't believe it. when When you file for a patent, you have to, as a part of the process, describe your inventions so that another person of reasonable skill in the art, which is a term of art in in the patent world, can reproduce what you're claiming. So that being the case, it would anybody who knows how to uh, handle that information should be able to, if it's legitimate copy the uh, virus and therefore the cure it's not magic well the other thing i like to point out is that we were harping again and again and again on how many people in america die from influenza every year this year alone tens of thousands have died what none have died of coronavirus in the same period in china 2700 people have died of coronavirus in the same period how many people do you think died of influenza when they actually underreport their statistics 90,000 already this year. How many generally die? A minimum of 100,000. And we, they believe that those numbers are, any, are, are, are about 10 times less than they actually are because they do not report the truth. So the standard flu kills more people than this supposed pandemic. But we have found out that the particular enzyme, furin, F-U-R-I-N, has been found to be manipulated in the DNA of this coronavirus-19. And what that means is it's a retrovirus, which means it was created to go after humans. Chinese didn't do it to go after their own people. Now, they will release it, and now, as we predicted also, the Uyghur people in the northwest of China have now been singled out, and they say that they're dying in huge amounts very, very quickly. I predicted this would happen, and I predicted that most of the people in Chinese jails, especially in the in the Uyghur 1,000 concentration camps that they have given the misnomer of being vocational rehabilitation centers, they will probably die, and it will not be reported. 
And so China will take advantage of this release, which was probably not their release, but probably, in my opinion, sheer speculation, a release of the British because they needed to clamp down on Hong Kong because they own the majority of it. And they needed to harm the Chinese economy as they start to do their uh, Brexit uh, deals with the world. And right now, it looks like uh, Boris Johnson, his biggest deal is not going to be America because he won't stop using Chinese Huawei 5G. It's going to be China. So you get to see that, hmm, is this a leveraged deal of Boris Johnson to release this coronavirus at the time to weaken the Chinese economy when they need a unilateral deal with China or else Britain goes down? Well, that's it, this was developed in Britain, so somebody there is thinking about using it as a weapon and for advantage. Could you tell us about this, um, the people who are on the British South Africa company? Uh, because we had read before that Cecil Rhodes had been given some land when he started down there in South Africa from the, a little bit of land from the British East India Company that had been left over. And then we heard that during the time that he was there, and then when Milner came later, that they basically were in a war with people in the uh, countries next to them, South Africa included, and that out of South Africa, they were shipping tens of thousands that they admit slaves uh, and so there were slaves pouring out of South Africa and there were also uh, then these contracted uh, wars that were basically fascist biological warfare experimentations by the British in the Transvaal. So it seems as if uh, slavery didn't stop with the Brits, whether they called it indentured servitude or whether they took those slaves and sent them uh, to actually literally, in some cases, back to England to do experimentation on them through the uh, Burroughs Welcome um, Drug Company. But we and you have found evidence that Perbright literally tested their in insane biological weapons on British soldiers. And that there are people who were literally in these Perbright facilities saying, hey, I was there, this is true. So we get to see that this is a very, very clearly planned out attack on anybody that at one point didn't speak English or wasn't white or I would have to say now is an enemy of the Pilgrim Society. It's clear the British were very interested in monopolizing the whole vaccine market much before 1880. And uh, by, the, by the 1880s, it appears that the Germans were their biggest competitors. And I think that continued. And that was one of the great motivations. We, we see propaganda posters that Welcome created, uh, anti-German propaganda posters, at the same time as the uh, Daily Telegraph and the London Times and the Daily Mail were making up these stories about alleged German atrocities uh, in Belgium. And uh, it's interesting, by the way, how they always keep Belgium out of this uh, attack in South Africa. And what we what we learned is that uh, De Worms and Stan, uh, Sir Han, uh, Stanley, Henry Stanley, the explorer, were very close to Leopold II in Belgium. And in fact, Stanley helped Leopold II seize the Congo 
for its mining rights in the process of his supposed explorations. I think one of the one of the key things about World War One that we always heard about was germ warfare, but the question was what's the motivation? Well, there was a huge competition among the pharmaceutical companies in Germany and England for uh, coming out with uh, various types of gases and, and, as you point out, anthrax and other things like this. And it looks like they threw the kitchen sink at each other uh, just to see who could kill more of each other. And so to that extent, I think the British sacrificed their own soldiers in the process of, of uh, gaining this dominance over the pharmaceuticals. And, and Welcome was clearly the, the key beneficiary. And of course, then he uh, extravagantly used his funds. But it now appears that Henry de Worms uh, in 1893 received a very large inheritance from his mother's side. And uh, it was about 360,000 pounds, which was a lot of cash back then. And it looks like that's when he began uh, funding Welcome, funding Henry Stanley to go look for new poisons and viruses uh, and uh, cures in uh, the African dark continent, as the, uh, the propaganda called it, um, and that they were uh, helping each other to extend this plan to uh, dominate not only the pharmaceutical business, but the propaganda business. And they used propaganda to create these fanciful stories about these English explorers who went off to these deep, dark places and supposedly were civilizing the natives. But as you say, uh, I think the real agenda was they were observing how these viruses and vaccines uh, worked on different population types. And they were specifically at that time, looking to depopulate the areas of the world that they wanted to dominate in the in the mining area. But one of the things that's uh, also become quite evident in looking at de Worms is in the in the, eight, in the 1880s, he was a very powerful minister in the and uh, member of parliament, and he was specifically uh, heading the board of trade, and he was also the minister for the colonies. And he was responsible for all patents. And there's one-to-one -one correlation between when he had that responsibility and when Nikola Tesla was filing all of his patents for electric motors, for electric light, for, uh, for wireless telegraphy. And it's now abundantly obvious that in addition to pharmaceuticals, these guys also intended to steal everything that moved in the way of technology, and that that would be another area of the uh, ongoing British dominance that would sustain these oligarch families uh, from then until now. And, and you and I have talked about this before, that in our early observations of this deep state, which we now know as the Pilgrim Society, uh, we saw that they were always passing this wealth from the son to grandson or daughter to granddaughter and that the current players are all related to these earlier um, uh, peers and that is all part of this scenario that combines 
wireless technology, propaganda, pharmaceuticals, uh, what else? Um, anything where there was an opportunity to make great amount, great amounts of money and to sustain their power over the world, they pursued it and they, they pursued it all within the pilgrims or within the uh, Privy Council. And this is one of the things that was, was quite challenging was we read in various biographies that uh, de Worms was in the Privy Council and there were rough dates of 1888 when uh, they, everyone says that he was appointed to the Privy Council, but we could never find a record, an actual record of uh, that event, which is not normal. Normally we could uh, at the London Gazette and, and as we were looking for deworms, the London Gazette database for those two years, 88 and 89, was missing on the current website. And, and we weren't able to find this document. And then as it turns out, we discovered that it wasn't 88 when he joined the Privy Council, but it was January 2nd of 89. And he was... Uh, he was invited to the Privy Council meeting. It was a meeting with the Queen and um, Lord Rosebery and uh, uh, Lord Chamberlain. And uh, he, was, uh, he was sworn in and he sat down and they started having meetings. And in those meetings, one of the things they did is they cleared the way for the establishment of the British South Africa Company to be a privately run corporation that would manage the colony in, in South Africa. And Rhodes was in on every one of those meetings. And, and those, those meetings uh, are well documented, but the, the role of de Worms has been obscured by the histories and by the record. Uh, but uh, our, our researchers have, was able, were able to find that his actual announcement of him becoming a Privy Councillor in Edinburgh Gazette. And it now, uh, shows that he was uh, about six years ahead of, of the involvement of Rhodes and Milner and the others in the establishment of this British South Africa country, and that he was driving the bus from the Privy Council. Now, he, he, here's one of the things that's quite apparent. There looks to be an attempt to uh, downplay the idea that he was a Rothschild and that he was... Uh, on the Privy Council, because the Privy Council specifically advises the Queen on policy. So here we have Henry Rothschild de Worms devising the strategy for the Boer War, because there's, there's a lot of record that uh, he was one of the key uh, supporters of the Boer War. And in that war, the second Boer War, we know there was a, uh, a concentration camp where over 60,000 people were killed. They were experimented on with vaccines from Welcome, and that it was Henry de Worms who conceived of this. I think that's pretty embarrassing for anybody that uh, you know looks at Jewish history, and and uh, of course we all are aware of the Holocaust, uh, which is just horrific, uh, and yet we we uh, we see a strong attempt to hide the fact that some very prominent London Jew, Jewish leaders 
were involved in a war country, uh, concentration camp decades before Hitler ever did it. So what do they say about uh, he who lives in glass houses shouldn't throw stones? And uh, so, uh, you know, when, when we see those kind of things, Douglas, you, you realize that everything we learned about history is wrong. Oh, yes. And uh, obfuscated. I mean, you got deworms, Rothschild, and then you got Cecil Rhodes, and they try to hide the fact that they were privy council members. And then they try to hide the fact that the Pilgrim Society was simply, in my opinion, the British attack on the world yes. to accomplish hegemony. And that it was very well thought out, and they'd been watching this, uh, you know, handed to them from the Italian bankers and on and on and on from the Jesuits and so on and so forth. But what I find most interesting is that de Worms, look at that. De Worms was there as a Rothschild when the Rothschilds gave Cecil Rhodes the money to go down and basically take over the entire world's control of gold and diamonds. Yes. And then the Rothschilds set the price of gold and diamonds out of their London office for a long, long, long time. They even set the rate the library rate, but lo the uh, percentage loan between central banks and other banks. So basically, you could say that the Rothschilds got control of gold and diamonds, banks, stock market. De Worms got control of the patents because he got all of te Tesla's patents. Do you know? We know. I don't have to ask you. I was going to say, do you know? I know you know <laughs> how much that's worth. Okay, how many billions or trillions did they bring the Queen when De Worms stole those patents? And then, of course, that's why they had to hide that they were on the Privy Council, because it, we, again and again, and you have proven this again and again, and now there's these criminal cabal, which are, is literally corporate dynasties, they're 100% complicit in this. They're like a bunch of uh, den of thieves who have their own rules. But what you have pointed out, and this is what made you very famous recently, the Mike and Doug show, uh, went, uh, it kind of went a bit viral uh, because of what you have uncovered about Kinetic. And what you've uncovered about Kinetic is so shocking that it even all, it almost trans uh, supplants what you have discovered and what all of us have discovered about Serco. Serco has $10 billion worth of contracts, but hello, Kinetic has $8.5 billion worth of American contracts. And when you look into them, as you have, and only you and your researchers can, you found out that the Queen basically not only owns 20%, but that the Carlisle Group was involved, that the Gates Foundation, that the, the Trust, uh, the Welcome Trust Foundation, all of these same old usual British suspects well, are completely involved in this. And also she owns the golden share. There are two parts to the Queen's holding of, of Kinetic. There's the 20% stock holding in the actual stock of the company. And then there is this special share. And that special share gives her control over the, over the whole organization. And it's, it's a veto power. She can veto anything. And so when you have that kind of power in a corporation, you run it, no matter how much stock, even if you don't have any stock. Because they can't, they can't move without your approval. And oh, she has both, and that is real clear. And it's found, it was started in two thousand and one. What was that guy's name? Sir, uh, Sir Chisholm. Uh, Parliament put him in front of consolidating all the R and D 
uh, activities, technical R&D activities in the UK. He combined them all together, started Kinetic, and the two years he had himself appointed to be a director of Kinetic. So, uh, you know, and then by 2006, our, our uh, outgoing CIA director, Tenet, joined the board, and then our um, outgoing deputy chief of staff in the United States, his name was Andrew Edmund, or Admiral Edmund P. Giambastini, Jr. He became a director, and I think he still is a director of Kinetic. And then we see this just flow of contracts given to Kinetic uh, out of the United States. And so between Kinetic and Serco, it appears to us that the web of control all flows in our military, especially the Navy, FEMA, Army, uh, and then many of our executive agencies, all flows back to the UK, and that this kinetic facility is somehow a central organizing hub, because as you'll recall, the reason kinetic came up is we were looking at a map of the Purbright Institute, and south of the Purbright Institute was this uh, facility on the same area. The facility was called the Cobbett Hill Earth Station. And uh, I, I had never heard of it, and we didn't know what they did and who, who they were. So that led to, well, who was there? When were they there? What did they do? Because there are these massive antennas uh, on this property. And uh, I mean, you can speak to that given your NSA background better than I can. I mean, what what is your assessment of that? group of antennas that uh, we actually have a photo in the latest article uh, showing some of the antennas. I believe they can do absolutely anything that they want. Those are tracking antennas, so they can uh, use them for broadcast. They can use it for 5G. They can use it for connecting to Eric Schmidt's, um, well, they're called um, super space servers, which are on launched, which are on uh, literally space platforms that ray down 5G for the military. So that's who they're working with. And of course, they can intervene into any MSM broadcast from BBC to uh, CNN. And what we believe, because what you just look at the way that they advertise this, and by the way, you know, Kinetic, uh, it, it, it's so suspicious because Carlisle Group help found it. And Carlisle Group is as is as They provided the initial the seed capital. So they're as corrupt as can be. So I believe that the what they can do there at the what do they call it? The um the Earth Station, uh mm -hmm. Hill Earth Station is anything. And they advertise they can do anything. They literally say they can surveil, they can intervene, they can do they literally are saying they can do whatever, whether it's for corporate or military government, doesn't matter. Well, how can they say that? How can they have so much power? I'll tell you how they can have so much power is they are a monopoly that is a pseudo monopoly of the British government mm -hmm. that is protected by the queen because she has the special share and 20% of the stock and no one can question the queen's business. And so we get George Tennant, the ex head of the CIA coming over to run a British institute that can do anything it, literally from biological warfare to uh, satellite interception through probably accelerated particle beams to you name it. Yeah. He, he uh, joined while he still had his top secret clearance. So uh, 
I don't know what the definition of, of uh, treason is, but uh, it sure looks like that to me with these Americans involved. And if you look at this business plan of this company, it's just magical. Uh, the, the, they're, they, they just skyrocketed to many multiple billions of dollars worth of uh, revenue. And uh, I, I can tell you what, we don't know this for a fact yet, but it appears to us that this uh, COVID Hill facility, this Earth Station, Oh, by the way, I should stop and say the 2007 foot and mouth outbreak uh, encompassed this whole area. So this is like a dead zone for uh, the history of uh, viruses uh, getting out at uh, Perbright. But um, uh, and it extended far south. It, it, it extended over the estate that the Henley Park estate that uh, Henry DeWorms uh, lived in when he died. Uh, but a lot of people died, by the way, back in 1902, uh, involved in this this whole cabal, uh, which, uh, you know, given our history with uh, sighting, it, it looks like th that was happening and that there was an intent to consolidate the gains that they had made and get rid of some of the people that would become problems as they got older. But uh, anyway, uh, with this facility, this has got telecommunications and uh, media studios now there. And it appears to us that this may be the site that the Privy Council uses for all their global communications, which which would make sense. They would need a nondescript area that uh, could not be surveilled. And they brag, as you recall, that uh, they can't uh, be monitored from this uh, location. I think you're quite right. And I think... Um that I have speculated that, in fact, it may be the home of Avid ISIS Management. Because why? ISIS Management is a British company. Avid's a British company. How is it that the prompters for all of the American mainstream media comes through Britain? This is absurd. But I want to point out one thing before we close, and that's the following. The British watched the Spanish conquistadors basically kill tens of millions of people as they came to uh to, America, to South America. They watched uh, Columbus bring death uh, and viruses everywhere he went. They watched the pilgrims all over the world bring death. And so what I'm going to suggest to you is that I called them a criminal, uh, criminal cabal a minute ago, but they're worse than that. In my opinion, they are a vile virus against humanity itself. They are a virus and they turn everything into a weapon, whether it be um, an illness in a cow's stomach, which is what we found out. And they're the ones who created, more than likely, mad cow disease by feeding cow brains to cows and making them cannibals just to see what would happen. These people are not human. They are a virus to humanity, and we need to find uh, some kind of medicine uh, to stop that virus.